You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm excited to say that we have Matthew Sear on the line with us, who is the founder of Crave Retail. He is also a tech entrepreneur and ex-retail ops leader with over 15 years of retail technology experience. He's opened over 150 retail locations in the APAC region, built a multinational retail training team for Skechers, and operated over a dozen retail stores across North America for both Skechers and Abercrombie. Today, as I mentioned, he is the founder of Crave Retail a company that is accelerating the digitization of physical retail by equipping retailers with the digital experiences that shoppers today deserve. Without any further ado, I'm going to now turn it to Matthew to give us more details on what exactly Crave Retail is and what they're doing for the industry. Yeah, Melissa, no, you you just explained it perfectly. And uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You know, Crave is an interactive experience and analytics platform Uh, purpose-built to help shoppers anywhere throughout the store get on-demand service and outfit inspiration for what's in the store or what's online. And really what we're trying to do is create these digital moments that are not only for the shopper, but they actually uncover a lot of data that's happening inside the store so retailers can get more proactive with customers coming in and really put tools in their hands to optimize Um, that experience for every customer who comes through the door. Great. Well, I mean, there's so much for us to dive into around that. You have a really extensive background, not only in retail technology, but also in retail operations. So why did you launch the company? What pain point specifically was the genesis for you launching uh, your company? Great question. So there's really two big driving factors. So Before I started Crave, I worked um, selling enterprise e-commerce technology solutions for about four and a half years. And then about 10 years before that, I've been in brick and mortar. And what I learned over the last four years was the adoption of new technology into e-commerce was obviously accelerating at a much faster rate than stores. And the data that was being captured to optimize every single moment through that online journey was the driving force for more money getting poured into this because what you can measure, you can manage and what you can manage, you can improve. And as a store operator for 10 years, I didn't have the luxury of any of that information to actually drive meaningful results for our stores. And so what I wanted to first do was say, how do we help physical retail digitize their stores faster so that they can get the same type of insights and data that online is getting? And then I thought about the store, which is everybody's going to a store to touch, feel, and try things on. And just like online, when a bunch of people have added a number of items into their online cart, you get to track and measure everything in that moment from conversion to uplift to abandonment to price sensitivity. But in a physical retail store, when somebody walks into a fitting room, you have no idea who that customer is. You have no idea what they're trying on. You have no idea what they're buying. You don't know how well your associates are actively engaging with customers in that moment. So imagine if you told all of your online operators, hey, you no longer can see whatever gets added to the cart. 
the conversion funnel would be under optimized in so many ways. And that's how physical retail has been operating for forever. And so what we wanted to do was say, how do we help retailers adopt technology faster and easier without it costing them so much? And how do we put these technology solutions into high converting moments throughout the store that can track engagement and help them actually optimize through data? So the, the, the customer experience side is almost just the facilitator to the data that we're trying to uncover for these retailers to optimize um, store performance. Yeah, I think there's so much opportunity of that now too with the way in which consumers are also interacting with technology and how that will evolve in the in-store environment. Can you tell us a little bit more about how exactly Crave works? Like, you know, you talked about some of the data insights, but walk us through some of the features such as, you know, outfit recommendations, the interactive bag view, um, some, some of those aspects of it. Yeah, so... So let's, let's sort of go into a fitting room where one fitting room that's equipped with Crave, uh, we're powered by RFID. Um, if you don't have RFID, it would be through a barcode solution. Um, but as soon as you walk into that room on a really nice digital display, you're gonna see an interactive cart. And that cart is gonna show you on this screen um, in a much better way than you would online, all the items that you walk into the fitting room with. What we wanna do with Melissa going into the fitting room is, help her make a confident buying decision by showing her as much information as she can. And so in this view, you're gonna see all of your items on the screen. It's got a really nice sort of rotating carousel that's very sort of enticing to have you engage with it. It's gonna show you the total price. It's gonna show you what savings for the day. We might have options to have you sign up for loyalty for other discounts. But at that moment, what we wanna say is, if you need help in any capacity, whether it's a different size, a different color, um, a new outfit, right on that screen, you can interact with it and instantly somebody will bring that to you. And what we've actually been able to do is take in some of these retailers product data. We also take in the retailers transaction data and we serve up at the right moment um, outfit recommendations. So really cool, we, we actually started with a similar recommendation item because we wanted to create the decision process to be simplified, right? Melissa's in there, she's trying on this item. If we don't have the size and what she needs, show her the next closest thing. But now what we wanna do is also optimize the total basket size. And so we've actually built a new AI engine that's gonna be actually implemented pretty soon. And we're doing a basket analysis over a year's worth of transaction data. And what we can actually showcase um, the customers at that moment is saying, hey, if you're trying on this item, these are two or three other things that almost every single customer buys with this item. And by the way, it's available in the store. Do you want someone to bring it to you instantly? And they can. And if it's not available in the store, we actually have a way for the consumer to, to open up that product on their own phone and transact instantly. I love that. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here with that online offline and really demystifying what's happening in store and then being able to make those product recommendations real time. It's a great segue to my question of what role do you see the store associate having in collaboration with your platform? I mean, this is such a powerful tool for them now to better serve their customers. Yeah, no, fantastic question. And I think if you are building a technology solution for stores and you are not thinking about the sales associate as a part of that experience, you're gonna fail. And um, as you know better than anybody, the front line is the driving force behind any great customer experience. But if they don't think it's easy for them, if they don't think it's going to make it 
make their jobs better or make them better at what they do, or if they don't understand what's in it for them, they're not going to adopt it. And so what we really wanted to focus on when we built this sort of helpful that I trained retail sales associates for a very long time, including their managers was think about how do we put them in a position to first be efficient? You know, one of the things that's really been impacted as a result of COVID is labor cuts. And so a lot of store associates are asking to do more, you know, from operations tasks to curbside deliveries to sell more because they need to be selling more, but they're doing it with a lot less people. And so it's really kind of neat is with, with Crave, you can really be anywhere throughout the store and you're going to get a notification when somebody needs help. Um, that, that in just a simple fashion allows them to feel comfortable that, hey, my manager wants me to make sure I'm taking care of people in the fitting room, but they also want me, you know, preparing a box for a ship from store. Great. Now you can be anywhere and provide that level of service. On the other end of the spectrum is providing expanded value. So I'll give you an example. You know, if you walk into an Under Armour store and you're looking for an item and you're saying, hey, great, I, you know, I, I think I like this item, but I don't really know what I should buy with it, a sales associate can come over, scan the item with our application, and it'll instantly tell them what products are available in the store. They'll tell them if that item's available in the store. It'll also tell them what are some outfit ideas that go well. So, you know, when, you're, when you've got part-time folks or you've got some new folks who just started, they might not know how to sell as, as well as a senior person. Well, with the Crave application, now they're instantly ready to say, hey, Melissa, your item's available in your size. I've got two other things that go great with it. Let me go grab it with you. Let me go grab it for you. And that, that type of convenience and sort of new way to personalize it for any customer that walks through the door, I think puts them in a position to um, do their jobs better. And, and they really like what we've been able to provide for them so far. Yeah, I mean, I think we talk a lot about clienteling and the possibilities with that. And it, and it's, it is a tool to support that especially because you're gaining all those insights with it as well. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about Omnichannel for a really long time. And if Omnichannel doesn't consider the impact on a sales associate, I think it's going to continue to struggle. And what what I mean by that is a lot of these store associates and store managers have been always incentivized by what happens in a store, in the four walls. But if these new technology solutions allow me to walk into a store and then transact online, I'm not going to really want that thing because it no longer counts towards the, the credit from what happened in the four walls. So some of the things that we're actually doing, um, we're, we're looking into now as a way to advance our platform is these sales associates who, who either are helping customers in a fitting room or are helping customers make these buying decisions and personalizing this experience we're actually going to be able to tie back the attribution to a sales associate based on what that cons- consumer does online at home. So if you go into a fitting room and you're like, great, these items look great on me, but I'm not really ready to buy. Um, you can actually save all those things right to your phone. And when you do decide to buy, we'll actually have that sort of tracing capabilities to say, great, Melissa bought something. And Jenny at the store, she actually helped that customer. And now we get to give that credit back to the sales associate. And that, that I think is how we're really going to embrace Omnichannel in the store is, is making the sales associate involved with the way in which transactions may happen, you know, online if they're not happening in stores. And I don't think transactions will continue to always take place in stores. It's, they're going to take place wherever, but these stores have to sort of change the way they track KPIs um, in order to motivate them to, to use technology the way that we want them to use it. 
No, absolutely. I think being able to track the attribution of that physical store visit is, is critical. Um, and if they're able to do that, I think it also incentivizes the store staff, but just create a great experience, you know, yeah. don't just worry about what happens when they're fall wall four walls. I, I won't name who, but I was on the past few months, I was at, um, a retailer, uh, uh, in the beauty industry and there was such fear from the salesperson about me walking out the door without making a purchase. I said, I'll, I'll just purchase it online. I forgot I had a gift card and I don't have the information with me. And they were worried if they didn't make more sales, it was going to mm -hmm. impact their job. And really they answered my questions. I got to see the pigmentation in person. I, I had the information I needed and I did go home and make that purchase. So to yep. be able to really tie it together, I think not only serves the purpose for the store associate, it helps them lean into really providing the greatest value add for me as the consumer. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> it's, it's been challenging for so many conversations I'm in to hear, well, I'm not responsible for stores. I'm just responsible for e-commerce. Right. What, what does that really mean? It, it, we, we're responsible for the customer and the customer is going to transact everywhere. We have to find a unified strategy. Um, it's going to take some time, but, <laughs> but no. I think we're moving in the right direction. I think um, everything that's been happening on e-commerce is, is forcing stores to adopt digital to, to really bring these two worlds together. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because like you said, us as consumers, we don't think in channels. We just think about the brand and we want a product and get it to me. Um, and you touched upon a little bit with the opportunity in the dressing room, right? You try on outfits and then you can save it to your phone and then purchase later. What opportunities beyond that um, do you also see in, in the dressing room in this bring your own device world that we're now living in? Are we scratching the surface with QR codes? I mean, what do you think from the horizon? Yeah, well, I, I guess I'd first ask you to define the word we, because I think if, if we is North America, absolutely. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I remember my wife and I, it was 2011 in, in Shanghai and Singles Day. And it was, a, it was actually one of the first months I was there and everybody at the table was pulling out their phones and they were pulling out their phones with QR codes on it with WeChat and the servers were at the restaurant were coming around and you could get discounts by pulling out these QR codes and you could walk into retail stores and scan QR codes on walls. And it was like, holy moly. And now here we are 10 years later and yet North America is like having these questions of, are we just scratching the surface? And it's like, it's just coming back. You know, I mean, marketing really, marketing really led a lot of innovation around QR codes several years ago and then rapidly abandoned it. However, I think as we, as we march forward from here as a result of COVID, we're gonna see a lot more use cases. This morning, I saw uh, an email from Venmo saying, hey, be sure to print out your QR codes in your retail stores so that way people can scan and go. Um, I think in footwear, we're, we're looking at new, new ways to say, okay, hey, you know, if you walk into a store and there's footwear there, most of the cases, there's no inventory, right? So again, we, we want to make it fast and convenient for the customer before they think, oh, well, I can just go home and do this online. We want to say and scream to them, scan this QR code, and I'll instantly tell you what's available and I'll get it for you instantly. I think there's a lot of use cases for us to explore here. In the dressing room, 
I'm not sure yet, and I'll tell you why. The, the biggest reason I'm walking into a store today is to touch and feel and try something on. And among, among COVID and some of our customers, we've seen virtually no drop in fitting room traffic, um, which is actually quite remarkable. I was not expecting that. Yeah. And that's actually what we've seen. In fact, in October, in one of our customers, they had a 20% increase in fitting room traffic once they went live with Crave. And by the way, the only fitting rooms they had open were the ones that they had with Crave, but they saw an increase in traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but first you're at the store, you made a decision that you're okay going to the store. If you made it all the way into the fitting room and now your phone's in your pocket, it's in your jeans on the floor, and you've got this really nice display in front of you, you've made a commitment to, to just enjoy that moment. You've, you've let COVID left your mind. You're just having fun trying on items, seeing what fits, enjoying it. Um, we have not seen a reduction in people interacting with the screen. We think the, the adoption of QR codes in a fitting room may be simply the result of a, a, a cost consideration versus a customer experience consideration. We think customers in that moment have, are consciously there to touch and feel and enjoy that experiential moment. But for retailers who are a little bit more, you know, uh, careful on their spending, we're open to putting a QR code in that moment um, so they can save on the hardware cost. But to be determined if QR codes really sort of grow significantly in the fitting room, um, I think mm-hmm. most customers who are in that moment are there to, to have fun and try things on. And they don't want to reach down in their pants on the floor, grab their phone and go through this when there's a really nice display that shows their items in, a, in, a, in an exciting way. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think we've spoken about this before. It, the goal really is like to keep them undressed as long as possible in that room, yeah. right? Just trying things on that's a measure of success <laughs> that yeah. drives success. Yeah, 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 <laughs> no, it is. I, uh, I will say though, interestingly, I think that metric is, 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 is changing a little bit. Um, I think, you know, as we introduce technology into the moment, there was no technology. So the best thing there was keep them in the room as long as possible. Well, when you, you introduce technology, now it shifts to how do we get them to engage? How do we get Mm -hmm. them to, how do we get our sales associates to make recommendations through this moment, you know, and, and how many times do people make these, like, it becomes a different KPI there. How, how many items do we get them with? How fast do we provide the service? Does it impact um, uh, the basket size at the register? So all these things are hopefully gonna be the new metrics that are more important than just simply let's keep her in there for eight minutes. But in fact, let's, let's actually track how many items they're going in there with, how many new items we're adding into that experience and how that impacts you know, their, their joy because a lot of people don't like going into a fitting room. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we ultimately help them buy more as a result of that experience? No, absolutely. I like that you break, break it down because I think that that's a lot of hesitation a lot of the times with the implementation of technology is, well, how are we gonna measure success? How are we gonna know if it moves the needle? I think that you very clearly outlined numerous aspects of, of, of data analytics and data capture and um, how that can help your clients drive their business mm-hmm. forward. You did touch upon a little bit some of the insights from your clients, but is there a more in-depth kind of case study, even if you can't name the brand that you can kind of share with us? What was the challenge and what were some of the successes or surprises that you saw? I want to 
go a step back on that question because okay. I had a really great conversation on Friday last week with, uh, with a large retailer in the UK. And he said, you know, Matthew, the biggest problem that I need to solve for right now is we just don't even understand the value of our fitting rooms. We know inherently that shoppers are in there to buy. We know that conversion is higher. We know that they spend more because they're there to buy and the intense high, but we don't actually know anything. We don't actually really know with data how many people are going in there um, on average, how many items per session are going in there. What's the average basket size? Are our associates doing their job? The first thing that they value from introducing Crave is benchmark data. And that benchmark data with one of our customers who's actually, you know, unfortunately we can't share their name, but they are one of the largest uh, athletic retail brands um, in, the, in the world. They, they came to us with some insights that their fitting room traffic was around 7%, that their conversion was around 72%, um, that when associates introduced products to customers before the fitting room, um, that it that basket size actually increased 20%. And the only way they were able to capture that is they paid a different company lots of money to, to set some sort of benchmark data um, with them um, across now uh, a number of stores, both in North America and APAC, we were consistently able to increase the basket size by over 20% with every shopper coming through the fitting room. And really interesting insight on that is out of the seven to 10% traffic going into the fitting room, it accounts for 20% of their total store revenue. Uh, that's pretty significant. So, I mean, if, if, I, if I break that down for you, if you've got a retail store that's doing $2 million a year at 20% of revenue coming in the fitting room, you're talking about $400,000. Crave's impact is a 20% lift on that. It's about $80,000 annually per location. And we only charge a couple hundred dollars a month. That is an incredible ROI story that not only Absolutely. was easy to adopt, it created a, a delightful experience for the customer. It created an opportunity that could measure impact and conversion with customers. It gave associates a way to engage with their customers in more personalized ways. Like it's not just about the basket size, but it's about everything sort of holistically um, that was really exciting for us uh, as a result of, of that pilot. And now we're obviously expanding, you know, worldwide with them. So how long does it take you to get a client up and running? Generally about 30 to 45 days. It, it really, the biggest initial step that we need is inventory and pricing data. Um, and for most retailers over the last five years, they've been preparing for Omnichannel. So in, in a really surprising way, when I started in e-commerce about five years ago, to get product data from a customer was very painful. Um, and it would take a long time because they were all in disparate data systems. Um, pricing was in a different promotions, inventory, you know, romance data for product descriptions. It was really challenging. And today we've, you know, we talk to retailers all the time who say, actually, we already have this data for you. And if they have it for us instantly within 24 hours, they are ready to go. Um, because our solution has been built as a platform and in a turnkey format. So as soon as we have that data, you can turn it on, four screws into the wall, and it's ready to go. Um, we purposely built it that way to think about how do we help a retailer scale? And it's been a part of our, our vision is to accelerate the digitization of physical retail worldwide. And if that is a part of our vision, then we have to think, how do we build a platform that's easy and fast to adopt 
So that way retailers don't just put us into, you know, their flagship store in Fifth Avenue, but they actually move the needle for their company by putting us into their top 20% and then expanding to their, you know, the next 20% after that and really scaling across their entire fleet of stores. Where do you see the future of the dressing room? Where are we going in the next, you know, two to five years? I won't make it too crazy, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love the question. Well, I think we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think the first part of that sort of question is what's the future of the store? And if, if we sort of understand that the store is not going to be, or if we agree rather that the store is not going to be a place of transaction, it's about a place of experiencing the brand and the merchandise. I think we're, we're going to see less, less sort of merchandise from a, from a depth uh, across, you know, inventory and, and, you know, a wide assortment across product within a category we're going to start to see a, a highlight of top sellers of seasonal products of new products. And as a result of this shift, I think we're actually going to see fitting rooms come closer to the front of the store. We're going to see fitting rooms play a bigger part of the store because what you're going to want is a customer to come in and get sort of wowed by everything that your brand encompasses. You want to tell that brand story, but then you want them to really feel the brand by trying on those products. And I think for a long time, because we haven't really understood the impact and value of fitting rooms like that retailer shared with me last week through his lens, now that people are going to start to see that, we're going to start to see more of this try-on experience as a core part of that customer journey. And so I actually think you know, I'm not sure if this will happen in the next two years. I actually think in like five or 10 years, as we really think beyond, we're going to see much smaller stores, but I think we're actually going to see a a lot further allocation of fitting rooms to those stores where they might have two, they might have five or six, because we really want them to come in, try things on, try things on with friends. The journey just might change because it's really going to be about having them see the merchandise, try the merchandise, Wherever they buy, it won't matter, but it's just going to be about really enjoying that moment. And the fitting rooms are going to be a part of um, that decision. So I, I, I think we're, we're, we're in for a lot of uh, excitement around that space. And obviously, we hope that we can be a, the, the driving force for change and technology in fitting rooms. I love it. I do. I think that it's been an area that has had so much opportunity for innovation, but hasn't seen it. Um, I think there's a lot of questions too around people's comfort level, you know, with technology in the dressing room for them, but if it provides the value add, as you described during our conversation today, I think that there is a more openness to it. You know, the one other aspect we didn't really touch upon was how one of the areas where consumers do see that hesitation as far as, you know, our insight show is when they see that camera you know, mm-hmm. um, on yep. the mirror. So, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? First off, there's no cameras being used on any of our, <laughs> on any <laughs> of our devices. One of our setups for our iOS deployment actually has, uh, an enclosure wrap hiding the camera, uh, behind a metal plate and through our ELO deployments, we're actually not using the ones with cameras. So to give you a little perspective though, Uh, Early last year, and and we're getting ready to launch with them later this year, two of our upcoming customers are in the lingerie space. And I say that because I think there is a shift in 
and comfort with technology and it's coming. And I think credit to our company is we've made it super comfortable to realize through a lot of user testing that when you, when you come into a fitting room with Crave, it's very quickly obvious that there's zero cameras in use, which immediately draws that sort of comfort level to say, okay, like this is something I'm okay with. You know, even, even fitting room mirror technology, I've been anti for, for many years because I think it's just, creepy. Um, you don't really know what's behind there. So like, you know, a way that we've thought about it is um, we actually embed our ELO screen right behind the mirror. And again, it's very clear that there's only a screen visible to the customer in that moment. And so we, now it's a great question because we, we were actually really worried about the perception of security in that moment and privacy. It hasn't been. In fact, it's a couple customers have said, hey, is this the case? Out of thousands and thousands who've said, no, I, I didn't even think that that would be something of concern. And obviously the retailers who are talking to us um, in that lingerie space is obviously also feeling like their customers will feel okay with this. So that, that's the signals that we get that make us feel people are getting more and more comfortable with this technology and, and we're doing a good job at making sure they feel safe in that moment. Well, I love it. You're definitely taking a holistic approach. And I think that, um, like I said, I think that the dressing room is, is ripe for innovation. And I think that, you know, coming out of COVID and consumers adoption of technology just opens up the opportunities more. So I look forward to following you guys and, and seeing as you continue to evolve your product offering and, and expanding your footprint within, within the retail industry. Again, everybody, this was Matthew Sear. He is the CEO and co-founder of Crave Retail. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Melissa. I really appreciate it. Thank you.